What's shaking, cats and kittens? This is Rob Lee from Truth in This Art, your favorite podcast. Every week, I help share the stories of artists, cultural leaders, and entrepreneurs. Small business is the backbone of a thriving community. So this month, I want to show some extra love to our presenting sponsor and small business, Double Dutch Boutique. For the holidays, remember to shop small, shop local. Double Dutch Boutique carries locally made in Baltimore vendors such as This Sporting Life, Creative King, Black Radish Handmade, and so much more. Head on over to 1021 West 36th Street in Hamden or on the web at www.doubledutchboutique.com and tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest is John Bragel, a multidisciplinary filmmaker and photographer located in Baltimore, Maryland. He is also the founder and photographer of BaltimoreSmall.com, a media platform that gives voices to small businesses and nonprofits through photography and storytelling. Please welcome John Bragel. Howdy. Howdy. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. Uh, yeah, I, I try to I try to I try to get people sound bites that they can later use. I had somebody uh, last week was like, send me the file before you post it, because I will play it in the store. And I was like, wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Just helping small businesses. Uh, one boxing style introduction at a time. Hey, man. Uh, so let's let's kind of get into it. Like I came I came to um, know about you through um instagram and through the baltimore small account but i want to kind of step back and get a little bit more of the depth there can you tell me about yourself and uh, how you became interested in that small business community in baltimore right so um i'm a filmmaker and a photographer and my roots are here in baltimore uh, my father was a small business owner i saw him start a small business and grow it from scratch from the time before I was born down on light street in federal Hill. And, um, so I grew up here, uh, got into filmmaking through making skate videos. And, um, then when it was time to go to college or, you know, do that whole thing, I didn't really have a sense of what I wanted to do. And, um, I figured I had fun making skate videos with friends and, um, I enjoyed it. So my parents were very supportive and entertaining that Avenue as like a possible career thing, which was pretty cool. Cause you know, I had other friends that were interested in that, but their parents wanted them to go the more traditional route. So, um, my parents were very supportive and, um, let me go to a school in Orlando, Florida called full sale. And, uh, I went there for it's like a 21 month program and immediately upon graduating, uh, moved to New York city. Um, a few of my friends also moved there from my class and I started shooting news. Like right when I got there, I was like 20 years old working out of the United Nations, like filming news <laughs> for a Saudi Arabian television station, Wow, which was pretty, pretty quite the experience, uh, that lasted for about a year. Cause in that time I was constantly filming passion projects, like music videos, like commercials, stuff like that. Um, which allowed me to just transition out of that job over time and just go freelance. Mm -hmm. So I was 21 years old doing freelance and, um, I just had quite a few negative experiences working with film production companies and commercial production companies, just feeling like 
more than anything, it was just feeling like there was a lack of respect and appreciation for the crews and being naive and like 21 years old, <laughs> a couple of friends, we were like, Oh, well, let's just start our own production company yeah. and do it our way. <laughs> so that's what we did. And, um, kind of put all our money into a sack, uh, got a small little office space in Manhattan and, um, we just did it, man. We, um, made a few passion projects. This was around the time that Vimeo was launching and, um, all three of those passion projects went viral within Vimeo and overnight, as far as companies are concerned and small business goes, it, it just became a success. You know, we were working with Nike, National Geographic, Cadillac, Avis, like everyone wanted to work with us within the first like year, year and a half of launching that business. And, um, so a lot of my heart for small business comes from this space of naively diving into a dream of my own and then just learning how incredibly hard it can be. And just learning that purely by trial, by far fire. Like I didn't have any business experience, you know, nothing other than passion. And so I learned every lesson you could probably imagine the hard way. So when I moved back to Baltimore, um, this was after doing that for about eight years, I, um, I'm skipping a whole big part of the story, but ultimately I got really, really burnt out, uh, as a result of just learning all these lessons, burnt myself out into a really bad depression and just needed change. And, um, I moved to China at the time I'd met my girlfriend on a shoot in China. And then I was, when I left the company, I, um, was like, you know what? I just need to go to China for a while, hang out with her, collect my thoughts. And, um, I decided ultimately to just settle in Baltimore, like close to my family, um, you know, build some community here and just sort of start over in a way, uh, just start over from scratch. You know, I was freelance. Now I'd had a company my whole career. And so I just needed to feel like I had a safe space to just sort of start over away from the noise of New York city and, um, away from all the filmmakers pretty much that I, that are still my best friends, but I just needed to like fully start over. So, um, I guess I'm getting to the second part of your question. I'm not used to talking to about myself so much. I'm used to interviewing people. So <laughs> yeah, it's turned around on <laughs> you now. <laughs> you might have to keep me on track, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that almost like the way you were describing and, and granted, you know, you, you said that there is some parts that you you, you skipped over to kind of get to like really the nuts and bolts of it. But it's almost that reverse where I find people who are creative, they not all, obviously, but people who are creative, they'll, you know, come to Baltimore, kind of do their stuff. And then they're going to New York. But you kind of did that reverse. You kind of came back after having your experiences there and kind of doing really cool stuff there up in New York and kind of seeing like, no, this is this is a lot. This is this can burn me out. Um, so with that, it kind of like I would be remiss not to touch on these kind of next questions and kind of go out of order because yeah. you've touched on it. So it's fresh. It's fresh in mind. Uh, so speak a little bit more about like being creatively stumped, not necessarily that scenario we're describing, but there, there are kind of really generalities you can speak on of where you've been stumped or you've been burnt out and kind of what have you done to get, get it back to, to get the uh, mojo working again. And I would imagine coming back here is a piece of it, but speak a bit more on that. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, something that I'm learning continually over and over is just the power of rest and restoration and just like giving into it and just allowing myself to feel tired and to sleep. And it's so hard as like a creative driven person to just like let go and just like drop everything down and just be present with myself. It's something I, it's a constant struggle, but you know, more and more each day, I realize how important that is. So like, for example, I got back from a shoot on Friday and you know, I'm all spun up because of the excitement of the shoot and, you know, all the decisions that you're having to make under these high pressure circumstances. And then you come home back to normal life and it's just like everything's slow and boring and, you know, and, and I'm married now, like I wasn't married in my twenties. So it's like, I have another person that I have to be present for and take care of. So I can't always live on this, like, heightened sense of like excitement and, you know, anxiety or whatever, whatever that is. So, um, yeah, just getting home and allowing myself to sleep. And, um, you know, of course there's like routines I've developed over time. Like meditation has been a great practice that just keeps me in check. Um, I journal a lot. I, you know, I pray a lot. I'm a Christian guy. So my faith is a big part of big part of that for myself. And, um, yeah, man, just, I think rest is the biggest one I come down to because I'm presently battling that like at this very moment. So it's just very, <laughs> very fresh on my mind. Yeah. It's, um, I, I have to come to that in doing this entrepreneur artist kind of kind of space or what have you and you know doing a, a lot of podcasts like for instance last week i had 13 interviews scheduled and wow. i Holy have a day cow. job and and all of that right so i you know inevitably you're unable to get all of them but you kind of plan it out or you do the work to you know research and have well thought out questions and things of that nature right. and but sometimes you can't control everything like you know obviously last friday the weather was terrible and <laughs> uh People are like, I can't get there. So I got maybe nine of the 13 completed and, and that was good. And that's, but that's still a lot of work. And yeah. in it, you, you encounter this and I definitely recognize what you're describing and I empathize with it, trying to find rest uh, <sighs> and being able to just, just take a time away from it. So Mm -hmm. outside of doing this podcast, I do two other ones that wow. have their own requirements. Like I do a movie review podcast and awesome. that obviously requires you watching a movie and okay. doing research on it. Cause I try to, you know, do a really a deep dive into these movies that we, you know, we all like or what have you. And, uh, sometimes I have to look back, like, am I watching this for work or am I watching this for fun? And right. I was like, ah, I shouldn't watch this movie right now because I need to, <laughs> it's like almost a chore to watch a movie. And I was like, it hasn't, it wasn't always like that. So right, right. kind of recognizing like how to disconnect from what that work piece is or what these, these things are that it's like, this is driving and it's supposed to be fun. I need to have those moments to recharge and recognize why it's fun. And for me, being able to travel a little bit mm -hmm. and um, get away from just the scene that I'm in regularly to come back to appreciate it and have different yeah, insights. Absolutely. Um, so in it, I kind of gathered, this is a new question, so you don't have this one. Uh, <laughs> I, I gathered that, that traveling is a component for you. 
Um, and, and things that you've done, you, you've talked about like being in Florida, being in New York, being in China, all of these different places. So mm-hmm. it, of, of your travels, um, what, what has been that, that favorite journey and, and think about it in context of location and maybe something that you did there that was like, this is great. So what comes <laughs> to mind for that? Well, so much of my travels in my twenties, I was in this like blurred abstract state of reality it was just this kind of like grind mode where i wasn't fully appreciating all the experiences that i had you know i was to put it into context like i was single at the time for six of those years i was addicted to adderall and i was working my ass off i had a big staff i had all these responsibilities so i was just kind of doing what i had to do when i was traveling around the world and i wasn't really fully there to like, I mean, sure. I have some great memories from all the spaces I went to. Um, but I, over like the past couple years, the past few years is I'm learning how to enjoy traveling, um, for the first time in my life, which is, which has been pretty cool. Um, but I would say the one thing that does stand out to me, I mean, Obviously, when I tell you the story is when I met my wife in China, yeah. I was uh, I was shooting a commercial. Uh, it was like a two month commercial in um, the United States and in China. And we had wrapped the shoot and it was myself, the producer, one of the directors and some of the crew. And um, we went out for just like wrap drinks. And uh I saw this girl at this bar that we were at and I just couldn't take my eyes off of her and, uh, for like 30 minutes. And I had been like notoriously single for years. And like everybody I was with knew that, you know, they knew that I was just like, you know, I don't know. I needed to meet somebody. I'll put it that way. And, uh, my producer friend, Alex, just completely randomly was like, Hey John, you see that girl over there? Like, she's really cute. You should go dance with her. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well now I have to, because <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. been looking at her. So, um, this is totally uncharacteristic of me. Like I would historically never go up to someone. And, um, so I just went up to her and we started talking started dancing and, that was that man. Two days later, I had to leave China to come back to the United States. We kept in touch every day through WeChat. And then, um, she came to visit me a month later in New York city. And honestly, meeting her was what made me realize that there was so much more to life than filmmaking and pursuing business adventures. And, you know, it was, it was a total awakening for me. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that experience definitely stands out above all, all experiences. So that's, that's great. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cause, um, yeah. it, uh, it reminds me of, uh, when I was in this spot where I was kind of doing multiple things, I was a contractor and it's just, on, it, it, it just in hustle mode, just grinding, grinding, grinding on a, on a lower level, but grinding and, and doing the, the art thing and bringing it in and kind of being in various scenes and not having a schedule and just like, this is great. I go where the wind blows me. Right. And I, I just remember a job came up that felt like a really good opportunity that combined my passions. Like I was working in higher ed, but it was a job that had marketing, higher ed and podcasting all together as one wow. thing. And I just remember just, just going after it, going after it. And I, I wrote this, um, 
this piece because some of my my content from back in the day was everything is a joke everything was a bit right so i was like no nah, i don't know if i want to hand this over as that portfolio if you will so i i did this kind of uh, test podcast but it was something that that was important it this thing of making it was this article i read about making the um the ordinary feel like the extraordinary and I just to mm. me said, stop and smell the roses. And that's that's what I'm hearing for, for you to kind of um, be able to get out of that funk sometimes and those things that really matter and are, are memorable and that stick with you, like uh, meeting your now wife. <laughs> for sure. So let, let's talk about um, Baltimore Small a bit. Um, yeah. So what are some of the um, fondest memories of of, of this project? Um I, it has was there a specific uh, person uh, person that you or business that you were researching and interviewed and found more out about? And you're like, this is this is great. Or speak more on that. Yeah. So when I was I was thinking through these questions earlier today that you had sent over, it was it was really hard for me to like put my finger on one particular experience. It it was it's more of like a like a turn of a awareness throughout the span of the project. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of transformed like my own sense of expectations. Um, cause historically like going into a project, you know, if you make something for someone else or to support someone else, I would maybe have this expectation that they would like, you know, super appreciate it. And maybe that would make me feel good about myself or something like that. Um, but I guess my intention and like my conviction coming into this project was so strong that I've really learned over the span of doing it, that I, my motivation to continue doing it isn't contingent on whether other people like praise me or are thankful for what I'm doing. The conviction is coming from this pace place of like a deep hearted belief in small business and what it means to our community and what it means to our local economy. And that has nothing to do whether if one of the small businesses even believes what I believe, or if someone else believes what I believe about it, it's just like, you know, I've worked for all the biggest brands or a lot of the biggest brands in the world. And like, there was, there was no very small lack of heart working at those big brands. And so when I work for these small brands, it's like, I know why I'm doing it. And I know, you know, I know what it means to myself and my family and my community. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, but like working for a big brand is a very different, a very different animal. Like I, that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, I forget if I'm answering your question. No, 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 but <laughs> no, I, I think, I think we, what you're describing is very aligned with what I'm doing with this. Like, right. You know, as I described earlier, doing a lot of episodes and yeah. putting on a, a production of any sort, it's not necessarily a, a, a free thing or, or a thing that you're getting, quote unquote, those kudos for and that acknowledgement mm -hmm. for if that's what you're you're in it for. Right. And so when you were describing that, it's like, I don't know if we're even aligned, but I feel that what you're doing and very similar to what I'm doing is it's for the community. That's the, the yeah. purpose of it. And that's the, the ethos that comes out of it. And I always describe doing these and telling these stories. Like I can just tell like dick jokes for an hour on a podcast <laughs> and have a good time doing it. Yeah. But I rather do something with that as well, but doing this and right. something that, that is very near and dear to me, the community that I'm in and kind of showing these people and these businesses, these brands, all of that stuff that, right. 
isn't getting the attention that it could and mm-hmm. not necessarily should, but that it, it could get for whatever reason. So being an advocate of what I think really makes up a lot of the culture here, I think you're hitting that on really documenting the the small business scene here. I think it's, it's, it's important to take the resources that you have and do it and know that that's the reason why you're doing it. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I think it's just important to make things that you believe in for your own personal reasons. I mean, that's what art is to me in a nutshell. It's like, I want to express something that's deeply connected to who I am and my values. And if you don't like it or someone else doesn't like it or someone else doesn't appreciate it, that's totally fine. You know, this is like my expression. This is my way to support people. So I think I I used to be very closely tied to that in my twenties with films and filmmaking. And, you know, you want to get awards and approvals for everything you do because it helps advance your career and get more opportunities and get representation and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's, I think at the same hand, it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. And that to me, isn't, isn't pure creativity. It's not pure expression. That's like, chasing money and success and awards. That's not like a matter of the soul as I would put it. Yeah. So, um, it's, I think those things, I think those things come too. like, if you're, if you're doing it and you're doing it for the right reasons, quote unquote, especially here, like I, one of the, the themes that I hear from basically if you're selling and how we want to really look at selling, like trying to get yourself over using wrestling terminology, Mm -hmm you have to come off as genuine and have integrity and be authentic, especially in Baltimore. And if it just is like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this because I want to be the next face of business and documenting this. People aren't going to really jam with it and aren't really (laughs) going to support it in the way, because it comes off as not being authentic and kind of being like, uh, advantageous in many ways. But if you're doing something that feels genuine and it feels right. And it's like, Oh, this person, does shop here this person Mm -hmm. is documenting this 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 makes sense then Mm -hmm. that opens up some of those avenues that you know if a person is just doing it for that money or the grants or some attached Mm -hmm. some some, something to kind of elevate themselves that's very ego driven yeah doesn't really really work yeah man yeah it's um i i just think it's super important to have you know your creative artistic outlets and then you know maybe your work out your you know, outlets that you make a living off of, or, you know, at least understanding the role that each one of the outlets plays. Cause when I, you know, again, when I always say when I was in my twenties, but like the art was the work and everything was so interconnected that like, it just got confusing and disorienting and I lost the sense of who I was. And, um, so Baltimore small has been a fun way to not have anybody to really tell me what to do. You know, I have done a few commission jobs with like BDC and federal Hill main street, but they've, you know, they've all been so cool and they've just hired me based off exactly what they saw on the platform and just had a very loose hand in telling me like, this is the agenda for these 20 stories or whatever. And that's been awesome. Very different than my experiences in advertising (laughs) for sure. Um, so I want to talk about this piece right here because again, I'm hearing parallels and I read a little bit about a parallel here. Um, so you're very hands-on with your projects, directing, DPing, um, executive producing, speaking of some of the advantages of, of being, of having that amount of, uh, fingers on your, your projects and, um, speak of some of those challenges. 
Yeah, man. Well, I guess the advantages are specific to me being like, yeah, I'm a very hands-on person and I don't, I don't like to get bored necessarily. And I have a few different skill sets and I, I like them all. I mean, it's, I attribute that to a similar way of like friends groups. When I was growing up, I had a lot of different friends groups. You know, I had like the graffiti friends, the preppy friends, the skateboarding friends, the drinking friends. And like, sure. We'd all hang out from time to time, but more or less I would hop around from group to group. Yeah. And, um, I'm just interested in a lot of things. And, um, the creative process is the one thing that I, I just absolutely love. Like I love whether if it's my idea or another director's idea or a filmmaker that I'm supporting their idea, I just love facilitating that, facilitating that idea and like nurturing it through just questions and attention and ideas and just seeing it come to life. Like I just love the creative process more than anything. And, um, so the advantages of directing, you know, directing is like, you're getting to work at a very high level with like the agency and the client and like oftentimes even conceptualize the ideas from scratch, which can be fun, but it's extremely demanding. Um, then DPing is great cause it's more of an artistic collaboration with the director. So yeah. the idea has already been conceived the majority of the time. And I'm coming on as a collaborator to, you know, identify what that looks like and what that feels like and help them make the, the story stronger through the visual approach. And then executive producing that is more of taking an idea and in its infancy with a, with a director, a filmmaker, and just helping them inject as much heart and thoughtfulness into that idea. And just throughout the process of that coming to life, you're just connecting them the resources that you think would bond well with that idea and all the way through production, sometimes all the way through post. Yeah. So it's all, it's all very connected to just a love for the creative process. And, and so what would you say the, that, that number one challenge is in being so hands-on and having like just such a connection to that, that project and having just like, Oh, I got to do this. Let me try to do the music here. Let me do this as well. Catering. I can do that as well. So, so how does that, what is, what is that main challenge? I, I think it could be one thing, but I, I want to hear your take on it. The main challenge of being involved in the creative process to the degree in which you, you are being so, so involved of being able to be very hands-on and touching so many different elements of a right. particular project. The challenges for me are primarily with directing and DPing because production in itself is a huge stressor for me. Um, you know, you're taking like a container that has a lot of money, a lot of personalities, not a lot of time. And the expectation is that what you make is going to be wonderful, perfect yeah. and amazing. That is to me and where I'm at in my life is extremely stressful. And to the point where I've been shooting less and less and less every year. I mean, I think I've only done like maybe like six jobs over the last year and decreasing every day. Yeah. And, um, cause it's so stressful that, uh, for me, when I get home from shoots, I just like right now, like I just got home a couple of days ago and I'm still like in a zombie state right now. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell, but, um, it's something I'm not scared to hide anymore. I used to yeah. be a little bit hesitant about being open and honest about it. But you know, when the mental health takes a huge hit and the spiritual health takes a, a huge hit, 
you're only hurting yourself if you're hiding it. At least that's what I'm, that's what I'm starting to talk more with filmmakers about. So that's, that's the main disadvantage of, um, of production, but executive producing and coaching filmmakers is very, comes very naturally to me because I can do it from wherever, you know, I can do it from my computer. I can do it from home. And it's not like going to war. Like I sometimes attribute going to set. Uh, it's, it's very natural and it's a state of conversation, a state of good intention. And it's not so physical and emotional all the time. Totally. That, that's, that's legit. Um, I, I usually get burnt out and kind of just drained when there's the, um, I'm fine with doing this. This is normal. I can kind of do it at my leisure and kind of set everything the way that it is. But mm-hmm. when there are so many variables that present themselves, let's say if I'm doing a live podcast, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, uh, pretty much the, 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 the other caveat I didn't mention with this, I'm mostly a one man show. So yeah, when you're doing something and it's a variable, it's like, oh, we have a live guest and we're going to do a talk at this venue. Right. It's like, I hope everything works seamlessly because, and it's just, and I feel like I lose the focus in the thing that I'm doing. So I'm not not really focused on the questions and it's like, I'm uh, I'm reallocating resources, whether it be emotional, whether it be attention-wise, what have you, to other pieces and not giving that full attention that I should to the actual content. And then I beat myself up about it afterwards because it's like, I know I could have did better if I only had this. So being able to kind of maybe shift that and account for as many variables as possible, that does diminish the impact on the mental health. That does diminish. It makes me feel a little bit more uh, confident in what I'm doing. Right. Right. That's, that's my takeaway and being, in my thirties versus being in my twenties. Dude, totally, man. Yeah. I'm 33 now. And it's like, I've been feeling these feelings for years, but it's like, now's the time where I just have to start putting my foot down and actually making changes and accepting that, like, these are my limitations. You know, this is who I am and who I want to be doesn't align with me being away shooting all the time. So it's like, I can either go through my life feeling like a victim to these external events and circumstances, or, you know, I can live this kind of more mellow life in Baltimore. And like, (laughs) it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a beautiful thing, but it's, it's been an extremely hard transition going from shooting all the time to like shooting film all the time and commercials all the time to like literally living a completely different lifestyle in Baltimore. So, yeah. Uh, so I got, I got a couple more questions before we get to our rabbit fire questions. Uh, So what would be that first film you remember seeing as a child? Because I think some of the stuff that we gain interest in, like I can look back at like high school. I remember mm-hmm. walking around with the recorder. That was me proto podcasting. Like, yeah, so I'm talking here with the 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 lead <laughs> cheerleader because I'm trying to work work an angle. Like, hey, baby, you know, I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Um, but also it's like, yeah, so tell me more about cheerleading. You know, yeah. that's the, 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 the foundational components of, uh, I guess, w- what my relationship with podcasting is. So speak on that with your relationship with film and what was mo- one of those like early um, films you saw? Right. So um, I, like I said before, I, I, I made skate videos growing up, skateboarding videos, and I, yeah. I owned a lot of VHS tapes of skateboarding videos. And I was way more into that than any movies. Like I didn't get into filmmaking cause I liked watching films. I got into it cause I like 
making videos. It wasn't even totally. films. It was like skate videos. So like my answer is not really connected to the type of filmmaker I am necessarily, but I, I don't know. I just have early memories of watching like, you know, like home alone at Thanksgiving with my cousins <laughs> every year or like anchor man came out when I was in middle school. And I thought it was like the funniest movie ever. Like Tommy boy. I love a lot of those like stupid slapstick, like brainless films. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's most of my memories. I mean, I got into some like deeper stuff when I was older, but really, um, that same question you asked was one of the first questions they asked my class in film school. And I wrote down my top three favorite movies, which were like Anchorman, Tommy boy, and like <laughs> Billy Madison. And everybody else in class was like, Oh, you know, like Schindler's list or like whatever these like really deep, intense, like Russian yeah. films. And that stuff, honestly, I mean, even to this day, I, I really struggle with like having the patience to watch a lot of films because I'm just very easily like, I don't know. I just, I like a lot of like really just stupid comedy and I don't know. No, I, I dig <laughs> it. Uh, I, I took a few film classes, uh, college and in uh, high school, and I didn't pursue it much further because I felt more of the hands-on components. Like, I want to create this. I, I right. oh, Kurosawa, sure, but I want to create <laughs> yeah. this, you know, like, right. And right. that's, that's how I was feeling about it. Um, so actually that you, you answered both of those questions, actually the last two I had, so we could actually get into the rapid fire. <laughs> Just, okay, cool. Uh, so rapid fire. Um, so I, I, the, the ultimately rapid fire is, it's just the answer. You don't have to provide any additional context unless you want to. So okay. someone's like, what's your favorite movie? It's like, oh, it's uh, the animated G.I. Joe. <laughs> Moving on, you know what I mean? Okay. So, um, and I kind of take, a part of what you're doing, I feel is very documentary uh, oriented. So with right. it, what is your favorite documentary? Uh, Samsara. Uh, if there was a film made of your life, who do you wish to direct it? And would you play yourself? I was reading that this morning. I was like, God, I don't want to see a movie about myself. I, I can't think of anyone that I would want to direct a, a movie of myself. So probably nobody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is not happening. <laughs> yeah. I just said, I don't know. I, I felt like thinking of what director, I don't know. I, I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into it. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Um, so essential reading, um, Baltimore publications, um, what's essential reading for that, that really hits on um, Baltimore for, for those who might be interested or not necessarily in Baltimore, what's essential reading here, essential publications. Right. So, um, I would say, well, so I live in South Baltimore. So, um, a, uh, colleague of mine, his name's Kevin Lynch. He has this publication called, um, South Beemore. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's great because, it's just like a lot of what's going on in this little neighborhood. You know, it's, it's easy to get carried away for me to get carried away and overwhelmed with like everything going on at large in the city, but it's a, it might seem like a small city, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So I like just going to his website and seeing like, Oh, what's going on in our neighborhood. And of course, Baltimore small.com. <laughs> so you're already working in your plugs. It's like you've been on this podcast before. Uh, so th here's the last two um, for these rapid fire questions. Um, I think this is a new one. Uh, most treasured possession. What is your most treasured possession? Possession. What is a yeah. possession? That's like a, that's like an object. Uh, yeah. Like I, I have a gold microphone, like literally a heavy wow. gold microphone. 
I'm lying, but I'm using that as an example. Uh, so what, it, it, would it be something like an artifact, a piece of art? What, what's your most prized or most treasured possession? And it can't be like another human being. Couldn't be like my wife. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, definitely my wife for sure. Yeah, I'll just stick, I'll stick with that. Good, good man. Stick with that. Good man. Yeah. Good man. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's worth holding on to. I dig it. Um, now, this one is kind of self-serving, but it, it definitely uh, falls within what a lot of your work is about and, and, and what your, your passion is. Um, uh, what, are, what are a couple ways that you would um, advise people to support small business? Yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious ones, buy stuff, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the ways to support your small businesses, I mean, I what I do and what my wife and I do is like, we really emphasize supporting the small businesses in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's huge, you know, just going out and getting a meal or inviting friends to your favorite restaurants or buying cards from little gift shops. Um, just finding like, yeah, things directly in your neighborhood community. I mean, there's so much more things you can do obviously nowadays, but to me, that's the biggest one. And I think, I think the other thing too, is like you said, ways to support small business is actually like doing things for them, not necessarily like just buying things. But if you're a fan of a small business, like go and take some free photos of them or like go write an article about them or like have them on your podcast or whatever it is, just like do kind things for them and like earn their respect too, as like a member of the community. And I found a lot through that you know, just like feeling such a connection with our community in Federal Hill, because I've met so many of them. And um, it's just brought a whole new feeling to our neighborhood just by like doing little simple things. Also, of course, my wife works at Federal Hill Main Street. So like she's really involved in um, the small business community here in Federal Hill. So I guess I've learned that through watching her example and like ways that she supports the small business owners there. So maybe not just buying things, but like I said before, it's like using your gift or your talent or your art yeah. form instead of just going after the Amazons, the Googles or the, these companies that are going to pay your bills. Like think of it a little bit differently. And like, how can you actually serve the little man that's going to make the community a, a brighter place? So that's, that's legit. That's all of the questions that I have. Um, <laughs> Cool. And you, you already, you already started it off. So I'm going to give you uh, your, 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 a few seconds to a few minutes to wrap up, um, yeah. shameless plugs, anything that you want to plug your website, social media, all of that good stuff. And thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I would say obviously Baltimore or Baltimore small on Instagram. Uh, my website's Jonathan That's where like my film work is. And, um, in the next few months, I'm going to be, pushing out a wellness platform for filmmakers. And um, that's the biggest thing I'm working on right now. So um, yeah, all, all, all good things. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. So thank you um, for Jonathan Bragle, for John Bragle. I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.